Hi, this is Paul, and some of you will recognize this guy. Part of the problem with these uh, stage names and YouTube names is I always remember the stage name better than the real name. So a uh, guy, we had, a, I thought, it's so funny because sometimes some of the conversations that I think are the most important, the they don't necessarily pan out in terms of the algorithm or the analytics, but I, I really loved our first conversation about cog sci and uh wrestling and all of that but um maybe it maybe yeah. a little reminder you live in israel obviously right. there's been uh a lot a lot of stuff going on there um, yeah yeah um I've, I've actually been wanting to have this follow-up conversation um since october and actually i sent you a message on on october 6th but hey, well, how about we have the, the follow-up conversation soon and then, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, plans changed. Um, yeah, uh, I'm actually, I'm also in the, in the process of more formal, like joining this little corner. I'm, I already have conversations with um, with Chad lined up and Grim Briz. Maybe we talked about doing something. Wow, so, you're getting in deep. <clears throat> Yeah, I've been, and as you said, uh, you did predict that, you predicted both things, both that probably the video itself is not going to be super popular just in terms of raw numbers, which was, which makes sense because it was about professional wrestling. And for most people, that would not seem like a topic that would um, hold a lot of relevance to the kind of things that, that we talk about here. Uh, and also that, I'll get um, interest from a lot of people within the corner to have conversations. Uh, and both of those things panned out and actually didn't, for some reason, I, I <clears throat> didn't realize that the uh, the Bridges of Meaning Discord, Discord was just open and I could just join whenever I wanted. And then I did. And as soon as I did, like, oh, you're a guy, the wrestler. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Status, um, status is a real thing, as is attention. <laughs> they uh they they're not everything, but they're very real. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I've got those lined up. Um again, I've I've only now so I was in reserve duty with everything that's going on, and I only now have been able to actually get back to my life like properly. Um and so yeah, so I'm talking to you. I'm going to talk to, to them and a bunch of other stuff that I've got lined up, uh, which is exciting. You know, even so, it, it's when you look at my analytics, about half of my viewers are from the United States. Canada and the UK are sort of neck and neck in terms of second place. Australia is third, and then the Netherlands and Germany, but Israel is is fairly well represented in terms of the hierarchy in the corner, which is fascinating, of course. Yeah. Jacob and Pezzi <laughs> and Yosef. So so not all not everyone actually in Israel, but you know, you're the the fact that you were called up in the United States, the country is so massive, and at least since the end of the Vietnam War, when selective service was compulsory, uh service in the military was um was ended. Israel has much more citizen soldiery than the United States, even though the United States is nearly 
you know, it's sort of like the Pax Romana. You listen to the Pax Romana and people think, oh, Romans weren't fighting. No, Romans were fighting the whole time. <laughs> mm. Because if you're running an empire, it means you're always having to, you know, suppress something and bomb this and yeah. do that. And so warfare yeah. is kind of a perpetual thing in the United States since the end of the Second World War and the rise of its own empire. But um, in Israel, with a with an event like you guys had, suddenly, well, there's a major disruption in terms of regular people in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, pra practically speaking, every single Israeli uh, was affected in some way, either um, by knowing people who were um, murdered or being called to serve, or in my case, both. Um, and and <clears throat> yeah, many, many people have had to leave their homes for safety reasons for, you know. Anyway, that's uh, not, probably not the topic we should be um, I think it's, into. I think depth. it's, it's not the topic of this video, but I think it's helpful to mention <laughs> because in this land of screens, there's a disembodiment. Yeah. That everyone has a level of. But what's interesting is that, yeah, we were talking about talking in October. And then, of course, well, life intervenes. Yeah, it was literally on the 6th. I, I, I mentioned to you on, on Twitter that I, I saw after the fact, oh, it was actually literally the day before. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah there's there's a level. There's definitely a level of... of um, theoretical analyzing with this conflict in particular that uh to me i just i can't stand like going on twitter now and seeing a lot of half-baked um low information opinions from all sides um like talking about something that really is more complex than you know anyway <laughs> Anyway, oh, oh, so what are we what are we going to talk yeah. about today? <clears throat> um, so since our conversation, I've thought a lot about, and also evolved. Okay, so I thought a lot about more about wrestling and how it relates to um, our current moment because uh, you you actually surprised me by how enthused you were during our conversation about this topic and and how you also thought it was relevant, but at the same time, it was hard for me at least to put my finger on exactly how uh, wrestling was relevant. Uh, it's, it actually might be a good idea to do a quick recap of exactly what pro wrestling is. Your your um, volume just went down for some reason. I don't know oh, why. Uh, That's weird. better. So speak up okay. because yeah. Zoom, Zoom sort of tries to regulate this thing. Okay, and then let me know if it happens again. Okay. Um, yeah, so I should probably give a little uh, some recap of what professional wrestling is. Uh, by the way, it's been in the news in in the states in the last like week or two. Um, I don't know if you've seen with Vince McMahon, who was the former like head of WWE, yeah. and there was a a big scandal. Um, and there's a lot, a lot happening right now. Most of it is actually positive. He's not been relevant for a while, which is one of the positives because a lot of the stigma associated with pro wrestling is to, is because he was the person running pro wrestling for 
um, the better part of two decades solo. Um, and, and so his vision of professional wrestling was what professional wrestling became in, in the, uh, in the public side. <clears throat> and ever since he stepped down, there's been a notable increase in, in quality and, um, more wrestling being what I would say it should have been and could have been. Um, is, so is there something there in terms of a, when you have, let's say a person running it as a business versus something much more organic manifesting when that, you know, it's sort of like a tyrant being pushed aside. Now more of the forces will emerge from below. I don't, I don't know yes. what you said was very uh, interesting to me. Um, there's in, in multiple ways that is true. Uh, so there's the, the tyrant side, which is something we'll talk about actually like one of the, the first point, um, with the, the that you need to find the the right balance the right the optimal grip um between the um listening to your audience and being able to follow a, a vision uh, so that's that's a bit later. that's what you said there <clears throat> that's like the the art of leadership are yes. navigating those two poles yeah and i think um okay so we'll get there in a bit uh so first what wrestling is uh it's a form of athletic theater where the actors play athletes for many years so it's like the my character so i have a character um it's a stereotypical nerd which we'll talk about in, in a second um and the character ages with me in real time so a month for me is a month for the character and Usually a wrestler would play one character throughout their career, maybe two if there is a <clears throat> a shift to a new location where the their history doesn't matter. Uh, but usually it's it's around one or one maybe you you look you look around a bit, but once you hit on a character, you usually stay with that character. Um and a match in wrestling has a three-act narrative structure. So you have the the exposition and then the problem and then the resolution and so a, a match is going to be a good guy wrestler versus a bad guy wrestler and usually the exposition is going to be why the good guy wrestler deserves to win um in many it can take on many forms either because he's a better wrestler or because he is virtuous or because he tries really hard uh or a bunch of different stuff and then the bad guy, the second act is the bad guy takes control and has the momentum and controls the match <clears throat> for a large portion of it. And then the resolution is the good guy manages to, to get back on top. Now, the ending of the match, either either wrestler could win and that plays into the... Um, so you have the narrative of the match and then the meta-narrative of the character across time for of, of both characters uh, or more. Sometimes you have matches with more than two wrestlers. But you have the meta narrative of the the arc of the the characters involved. So the the ending of the match usually plays into that, um, and usually the best character. So I said my my character is a stereotypical nerd. Usually a character is going to be the best ones are going to be a self arc typification, like finding an archetype that you can embody and embodying it. And the characters are going to be um, more represent representational um than like realistic 
Although nowadays there's there's a shift there, but but historically that's the case. And if you look in in Mexico, where wrestling, as it's called, uh, lucha libre, there uh, is really um like a cultural phenomenon. It's considered part of the heritage, um, and their characters are usually like the alchemist, the the dragon, and they embody like those things with the masks and everything. Um, and ideally the character goes through a narrative throughout its its career um and so you have in wrestling you have matches and you have what's called segments which are not non match non match um events could be an interview it can be um a backstage like hidden camera or something like something that is beyond the match it could be a confrontation between wrestlers um and you have what's called the booker. So each organization has the booker who is the person. And sometimes it's a committee, uh, but usually it's, it's a person who is in charge of, okay, these are the wrestlers I have in my organization. What stories do I want to tell? Who do I want to feud with whom? Um, and, and that person is in charge of putting together the narrative. So that's, that's the, For the technical of how wrestling works that's the that's what it is it's very archetypal it's very um yeah it's very archetypal and you're playing with the fourth wall i mean that's one of the interesting yeah, things so about narrative <clears throat> there's a ton of playing with the fourth wall and even when you talked about uh the segments which are not matches so matches are up on a stage in an arena so then everyone's seat is defined but now because of cameras and screens now we can really play with this force fourth wall yeah yeah and and that was the, the next point i was going to get to is the role of the audience in wrestling which is really going to be key uh to what i want to talk about today so the the crowd if you've ever seen a wrestling show uh the crowd participates is is absolutely a part of the performance and and during covid it was very clear how how much was missing when crowds weren't there. Um, the crowd is very much part of the presentation. And the people who go to wrestling shows, for the most part, what they do is they they play, um, they, they, they act uh, as if what's happening before them is um, non-fictional. I was going to say real, and I changed it to non-fictional. Um, for uh, reasons that I, I'm sure you understand and will be made clear later. Um, and the that is really, really interesting because the wrestlers, both the wrestlers in the ring during the match and also the booker or the people planning ahead always take feedback from the crowd and and play with with a crowd like they everyone you like you 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 gauge the reactions constantly as a wrestler and as the person putting everything together and also the 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 character so if if I'm a good guy and I'm in a bad position sometimes I'll call for the audience to to support me and then use that adrenaline rush from getting the support to do something so they actually literally affect the narrative of the match immediately and from gauging reactions, the booker, the booker, the booker, again, is the person who puts it together, um, 
the booker decides, okay, this guy is really picking up steam. This guy, I have something with this guy. Maybe I should give him a more prominent role. Like the, the crowds are getting into him. Um, and that's, so that's what happens when it's, uh, when it's going well. And interestingly, sometimes the booker's expectation clashes with the audience and and you can see the like there's a collective there's a distributed cognition of the audience like this is not working something in the narrative is not working it could be this character is not believable or this character is not believable in this role um but for whatever reason things just don't work like you know when something lands and it doesn't um and the and if the booker so we talked about Vince McMahon and and his um tyranny Vince McMahon was very stubborn and for years um he tried to get a character getting something over means making it liked uh in, in broad strokes or or making it dominant like a wrestler putting a wrestler over is letting him win um and he tried to get a specific character that he wanted to be the face of the organization uh, he tried to get him over in a way that just wasn't, didn't work for that wrestler. Yeah. And, and there was a, like, five-year struggle or six-year struggle from, like, 20, 2015 to 2019 or 2020 um, where he kept trying to do the same thing putting this particular character in this particular light and and it just didn't work it didn't land and the audience rebelled and at some point it, it became first of all how does a wrestling audience rebel a wrestling audience rebels some stop watching but mostly they still go to the shows they still participate but they per, but they participate badly so you as a fan for example you'd boo the the good guy and you're not supposed to do that. I went, you, you know your role. You know, you know the uh, ritual. You know the liturgy. Yes. See, this is yeah, why exactly. this is so exciting to me because when you talk wrestling, I see church. It's so similar. And 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 that's that's really what uh, the, the the main thing I wanted to talk about today was was that. Um, so so you you don't you but you still participate but you participate badly. So you you either jeer the good guys or you cheer the bad guys or you create chants like this is boring. <laughs> so you do. <laughs> if if that happened in church and it would happen a lot. <laughs> church would be very different. And, and but there, it's 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 really interesting that you know you're doing a sports chant, which is what you're supposed to do. But you're you're chanting your disapproval of the the product that's in front of you. Of and the, it's not just in front of you. It's that, that you're yeah, the product that you are participating in actually, because that becomes part of the show at that point. If I'm watching a match on TV and this happens, that that's what I'm watching on TV. I'm watching. A match taking place and a crowd chanting "This is boring," or or a crowd not doing what they're 
supposed to do what you would expect them to do. Um, <clears throat> and there is a, a tug of war there. And at the same time, so you could be too stubborn. Vince McMahon was um, famously very, very stubborn about trying to have his vision take place. Uh, at the same time, his successor, who is also his um, son-in-law, um, is much, much better. And he's actually good mm -hmm. at... He also doesn't give fans what they want, in a sense, but he does it in a way where they say, oh, yeah, it's a good thing that he didn't listen. Um, where after the fact, you, um, you understand, okay, actually, he had a plan there, and I, I should have trusted it. And, you know, he, he he believed that the story that he was going to tell is not what the audience expects but or thinks it wants, but it actually is what it wants. And I think that uh, crowd dynamics, um, I think when you're when you become a slave to either end, so you could be a slave to your own. Um, I know what's best in a way that is. Um, false or oh they want this i better give it to them uh i think there's there's a form of idolatry there where there you can either be um loyal to to the ideal that you're trying to represent in the narrative or um and and again sometimes there's it's tricky because you know you can do that in a bad way as well or you can placate the audience and culturally in the last decade and a half um this this part of it is relevant because a lot of things that didn't used to be wrestling became wrestling um hmm. a lot of places where you so um a, a big thing that uh, characterizes wrestling is that immediate audience participation and immediate immediate feedback and news channels for example now that you have twitter and you have you, you you can tell what the loudest voices want want to see or <clears throat> or want to hear in a way that if you're not used to dealing with that reaction uh can really affect you oh, oh we need we need to give them everything they want and then you get um it's also so it's either in terms of the voices you can see or the 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 very down to the most minute level analytics where you can okay this article got this many clicks this article got more clicks and you can become a slave to that and lose for example if you're if you're a news channel the 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 core of what makes what what news should be so there's a form of idolatry there where you you follow a false idol that is the the immediate popularity the immediate the the immediate gratification of getting the most the highest the, uh, number in terms of clicks or in terms of of uh, viewership or in terms of the people saying what they, so people tell you what they want and then if you immediately listen without thinking about how it plays into the the larger picture of what it is that you're doing um things can go awry. And I think a lot of uh, surface level American culture now 
has that element of it where people who didn't know how to deal with loud voices uh, telling them this is bad or this is good or you should do this. Um, okay, well, our audience is, is telling us this, so we, therefore we must do it. Um, so that's that's the first point I was going to to make. Actually, I I wanted to, but I forgot. I I, I want to ask you whether you since our last conversation had more, like could put into more concrete words, what it was about wrestling that, that. Well, part of, part of the limitation of my ADHD and how that limitation has structured what has grown around me, which I use as relevance realization Mm -hmm. um is i you know so when you're in front of me i can see it and you do a really good job of laying this out when what you were just talking about is just so absolutely relative and you said it well to news especially to politics again remember donald trump and his relationship with wrestling he, it, he it, is a wwe hall of famer yes yeah yeah yep yeah. And, and when you talk about these institutions, wrestling, let, let's say it this way, the spirit of wrestling has moved into more institutions around us than ever before. Yeah. And so now yeah. that gets into the fact that the spirit of wrestling isn't just about athletic theater or men in tights. Um, this is This is a spirit that actually... You can see it in the Protestant Reformation, because in some ways what you're describing is, so the one way to understand the Protestant Reformation that gets billed as the Protestant Reformation, even though there are many of them, is that Germany around Wittenberg, and then in other places happened in the UK, um, there, was a, there was a revolt and the way you laid it out in terms of in terms of the booker that because that that stubbornness that mcmahon had is what made him so good this is this is you know verveke's relevance realization so the fact that he could push through with things that it seemed the crowd wasn't up on so then the, eventually he was right the crowd caught up with him but he got so stubborn at times that he lost the crowd and that's always a tension going on. And, and part of what's going on right now, I think, in terms of this little corner, is that people want to see me as the booker, but I am not really the booker. I've got a fair amount of influence, <laughs> but there are other... See, and this is where I think, and I, I wonder if this is what's happening with wrestling, McMahon sort of had a monopoly. And, and when you have a monopoly, it can afford a sort of tyranny. But when that breaks down, you tend to then get marketplace dynamics, which are different, which actually strengthens the crowd. <laughs> because now the bookers have to be more attentive to the crowd, but, but that can have a deleterious effect to actually, and this is where it gets really hard, the quality, because... We, the quality, so you go back to uh, Sevilla King and her channel, you know, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Piercing. Mm -hmm. 
this quality is a very mysterious thing, which is it's partly subjective. People have different senses of the quality. People have their preferences, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, sometimes quality becomes its own thing that it's sort of becomes, it transcends the preferences. And that's when people get a sense of, ooh, higher quality and even feel starts to feel like divinity because it's transcending. And so I think everything that you said here is just so cogent and I think so important and accurate. It's in a same in the similar way to the fact that if a preacher sees this and starts talking in religious terms, lots of people miss it. And the same way with that wrestling is sort of like a church. And wrestling, we just had a, a live stream on this morning where um, a guy who's made himself a little bit famous in the comment section for being a physicalist, skeptic, atheist, um, sort of made a lot of noise. Well, um, part of part of what's going on here is, is that type of person is deeply modernistic. And when they look at wrestling, I mean, the new atheist guys... If they had a fit about religion, they'd have a huge fit about wrestling. And, and I'd see that in the comments from our video. Wrestling? Are you serious? You know, because there is a there's an elitist snobbery with respect to it because it is theater. But it's not Shakespeare or things that have status. It's low. And, it's, and so people mock wrestling in the same way they mock religion. But they're not seeing something which is enormously powerful. And it's almost always when the elites get to a certain point that they sort of begin to despise. And you know, when let, let's we can put it in political terms, when the Democratic Party started hating its constituency, when the church starts hating its flock, when the book starts hating, the fans, oh yeah, uh, there there will be a price to pay for that. And we've yeah. seen that dynamic playing out in multiple areas. And one of the really nice things about wrestling is the kayfabe. Everybody knows it's wrestling, but it's these, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this liminal space. So I think that's why I think wrestling is just such an amazing analog that is so telling about so many things that we can barely articulate. And so I think that's the genius of it. And you yeah. see that um, and you communicate that well. Yeah, thanks. Um, so a, a couple of things there, first of all, a lot of that touches on a lot of the rest of the stuff I had uh, in mind. Um, now there is something to say about, wrestling actually was or had a lot of loudliness in it for a while because of Vince McMahon and his um <clears throat> uh preferences I'll put it that way um <clears throat> now so that 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 was the case it's not something that they uh you know there, there was a time where it was very easy to to get disgusted by some of the things happening in specifically in WWE as a company, but over the last few years, first of all, now it's it's 
as soon as wrestling becomes good, uh, it becomes a cultural phenomenon. It happened in the late 90s. Um, and it's happening again. We're actually in a golden age of wrestling right now. And they just signed right before the Vince allegations uh, came out. Um, they just signed a an unprecedented deal with Netflix. Uh, oh, really? for Yeah. So oh, starting wow. January 2025, um, Raw, which is one of the flagship shows, is going to be on Netflix. And internationally, it's actually going to be Netflix is going to be the home of of wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> that shows so many transitions, the transition from cable to streaming. And it's also the fact that it shows <laughs> a breadth for Netflix that Netflix has been trying to gain. And yeah. um, and it will also, again, as what happened in the 90s, it will tend to mainstream wrestling again like it was in the 90s and then sort of dropped out of. And when you look at these religious tides, it's a similar thing. Religions go up and down similar to the way wrestling goes up and down. Yeah, yeah. So that's and, and, and it, uh, at least for wrestling, it has a lot to do with the leadership and the vision, because actually for the past uh three years or so two and a half wrestling actually has already been going through a boom period and and you can look if you look at the at the ratings it's consistently the top rated show uh now <clears throat> a lot of people who gave up on wrestling have come back in the last two years again since vince uh stepped down and his uh son-in-law took over and and you can see there's a lot of people that you don't know wrestling fans that I know wrestling fans uh in the popular culture because like it's it's some it's it's this thing that you know um and you'd be surprised by how many of them there are and how ubiquitous really wrestling is when you when you know to look for it yep um <clears throat> And as for you said, you were talking about quality, right? About about there's there being, it's subjective, but at the same time, it's objective. Um, we'll talk about transjective in a different way a bit later, but I think it has to do. So okay, so I, I've been trying to think for a while what what makes us um. How how can you tell that a story is good? And I, I think I have some sort of theory. Can I uh share my screen? Oh, let me let me give that permission. <laughs> um gosh. Uh, um, come on, come on. Um Okay, go ahead. All right. Um, oh, actually, let's see if whiteboard works. Okay, good. Okay, so let's say uh, this is your immediate life. And uh, so I'm going to build a, a hierarchical structure. Can you see my cursor, by yep. the way? Yep, I see it. it. Okay. Yeah. So let's say something happens. Let's say uh, your your son 
got married. You're you're engaged in that, right? You're interested. Yep. Okay, but you're obviously interested, right? Because the the degree of separation here is very small. Like it's very relevant to you in an immediate way. Yeah. Okay, now it might be something more distant. Maybe the um his wife's sister, something happened there. Now he's still going to be interested, but but less so. And then if it's if I tell you um John Levkowitz just had a child. Um, you don't really care about that, right? Don't know who okay. he is. No, nope. right. Exactly. Yeah, I just I just made it up. Um, but what happens if something that's completely foreign to you? How how do you get something that's completely foreign to you? If if something that's completely foreign to you engages you, for example, you watch Better Call Saul, right? And you don't know any of these people. They're not even, they're fictional characters. But there's something there that engages you, right? So <clears throat> what I would posit is that the further away it is, the deeper in terms of your internal mechanisms you have to go in order for it to be relevant. So yes. actually being engaged in something that's that's on the surface completely foreign is a sign that is that it is very uh profound yeah yeah okay good so that's that's what i wanted to share and yeah sort of no imagine. i think that's very true and and so then these structures so if you were to tell me that whatever this dude's name was is a pro wrestler well that would go that would go into this conversation but yep. when let's say okay so a, a, a current example that king charles has has cancer has cancer oh okay well now we're going deep and he, he's not even my king i mean the whole american <clears> revolution <throat> but americans still follow him and then pope francis you know there's all this drama around the pope and it's like i'm protestant i'm american i'm not connected to charles i'm not connected to the pope oh but you know and so then and then someone comes along and says I've got proof Martin Luther was gay. And it's boom, you know, now suddenly, <laughs> no, you're exactly right that where um, I think that's an excellent observation. Good. So, so, so then the next thing um, is going to be related to McGilchrist, which is why, you know, we have a, like a, a corpus of, of stories that is at the base of, of our culture, uh, both of our cultures. Um, and why is it a story? So I was thinking of, because of, you have essentially two ways of representing um, ideas. One is a story. The other is a model, an abstraction. So what I just did, for example, was a model with the, the points and the, the lines. Um, and what's what's the difference between them what what are they so here's my thinking on it right now and actually i'm, I'm reading mcgillchrist's book um i've been listening to him for a while but i'm reading his book also because it's going to play into uh, my phd probably uh his work and essentially stories are the master brain the right brain uh way of representing reality whereas models are left brain and a good model 
is going to be actually immune to interpretation. The point of a model is to decontextualize it in such a way that there is nothing there left to misconstrue. A model is aimed to distill a specific idea in a specific way. It's a, a freezing in time of, of a concept and taking it outside of, of any yep. um yeah, any grounding. Yep. <clears throat> It, and it to, it's to, you know, in my language, it's to raise it up. It, it gets it up off the ground. And so yes. it's a, it's transcendent. It's universal in some way. Well, that's the hope of it. But then there will be issues. Even, even if, yeah. So even if it is, <clears throat> it might be universal, but it's not, not everyone is going to, to either understand it or be able to, it's not transjective. Right. Um, right. Is where I'm going with this. And stories are a story is a representation of actually how we perceive the world. <clears throat> um, and because our cultural stories, actually, you know, give me, give me a second. I'm going to fill up some water because the. Oh, okay. I'll pause. I, I'll fill up my yeah. water too. Um, so. So stories are transjective and because the stories that we're talking about at, at the, the bedrock of our culture are profound because of how the stories that are profound manage to survive across time and the, the evolution of religion and um, all that stuff. Then because these are profound stories, no matter how distant you find them, you should be able to connect with them on some level based on what a uh the model that i just gave if it's if it's correct right. so because we have yeah. deep even just the physicality because you know this personhood i mean all there's there's super deep reasons why even in this model we can connect with stories yep tracking yeah so 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 uh, these stories, because they they can touch the our very our, our deepest like the deepest recesses of our minds or souls or whatever. Um, it doesn't matter how distant they are to any one individual. There's always something there uh, to to grab onto, and also stories. Uh, they're not a distillation, so they have a lot of what could, for some reason, would just be noise. But they they have a lot of distinct parts, and and this allows for much broader relevance realization, much more encompassing. So for for me, if I watch a, a show, I can identify with one part and completely ignore uh, another part, which is like the time of day or or the day of the week. And for some people, maybe that will hold some significance, whereas something I'm interested in wouldn't. Uh, so a story has a lot of different parts that uh, <clears throat> that can serve as, as a basis for 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 connection and understanding. And and, and then then you can have a culture that's based on the same stories and everyone agrees that it should be based on those same stories. Um, so there's like, I, I wrote here, a story allows for a generalizable hyper-specificity. So everyone, anyone 
can find their own very specific uh, situation in, in a good story. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. It's, it's also important to recognize while we're being meta here that what we are doing is modeling story. Yeah. Which, which is what I just, which is just, what did, just did earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I just, there was just a, there was just a live stream with a, somebody who's kind of made a little name for himself at the moment as a skeptic in the corner again. And he, it, it was so interesting because once you begin to, once you begin to recognize the elements of this model and you hear people talk, it's like, oh yeah, I just want clarity. Okay. And, and you begin to notice that, okay, I, I just want this. I, I, I'm looking I'm really frustrated with, let's say, wrestling again. I'm really frustrated with wrestling because it doesn't fit the, it isn't a model. No, oh, that's right. Wrestling is not a model. <laughs> you can learn, you can derive some models from it. You can learn about models through it. But the fact that it isn't a model, hmm. And so if yeah. you become and a dogmatist with respect to models, well, there's a certain amount of, <laughs> You can't actually live in models because yeah. and they're not transjective. Exactly, exactly, and and um, I would absolutely put uh, stories above models in the hierarchy, if only for the fact. So to talk to someone like that, the reason would be that it's much easier to take a story and create a compelling story and create a compelling model from that story, and you can think of of um, literature analysis then it would be the other way around. Right. You can't just take a model and, okay, craft a compelling story around that model. Right. Um, it, it was funny when, you know, for a while, Peugeot was talking about story and people were like, okay, I'm going to take the model of an archetype. I'm going to craft a story around it. And those always make terrible stories. Yeah, that's that's my experience as well. You You can tell when a story is aimed to to transmit a specific model where uh, compared to when it's it's organic yeah it's, it's why christian story. movies are often so terrible <clears throat> because certain christianity you know especially in protestantism well here's the model so let's make a story that you know perpetuates the model it's usually a terrible story yep um as as a quick aside before moving on to the to the next point that actually if if someone is interested in seeing a struggle a struggle session between uh wrestling and its audience there's one actually ha happening right now as we speak uh we talked about so Vince McMahon was the tyranny aspect now WWE was bought by uh, Endeavor uh Ari, Ari Emanuel in which Ari, Ari Gold from uh, Entourage was based um <clears throat> For those of you who watched Entourage, that I think should tell you everything you need to to know. Um, and and it's unclear exactly yet to what extent, but it it might be what might be happening is that they're shafting a very compelling two year long story um, that was supposed to culminate in WrestleMania, which is the biggest event, and it's in April. It's in eight weeks, and. <clears throat> And they there was a, a change in gears where Dwayne the Rock Johnson just came, uh, he's part he became part of the board and now he perhaps is going to replace the by all accounts the protagonist of the last two years of wrestling 
Um, he's going, he's going back into wrestling. I thought he left wrestling. Yeah, he left wrestling, and now he's on the board of the company that bought uh, WWE. Oh, and boy. yeah, and he's involved again. And it's unclear to what level he is exerting his influence, or uh, the bosses are looking at the uh, the most immediate bottom line, which is also a form of idolatry. Um, and but but there's a chance it's left it's been left open to interpretation that but there's a chance that they're trying to um, change the story in a completely unnatural way and you were there's a result of revolt happening right now um, the hashtag we want Cody Cody is the Cody Rhodes is the other protagonist has been trending for uh, many days straight in in the united states uh wow because of this i i type in hashtag we and wednesday motivation is the first one and we want cody we want cody is the second is the second wow yeah and that's part of the that's part of the issue of these um of these of social media is that you can be on twitter and know nothing about what in fact may be occupying twitter because of course it's also targeted and so uh, uh what's happening this will never come up and what's happening until now now that i've hit on it now twitter is going to be feeding me wrestling news yeah. <clears throat> and it's going to because the main uh, the match that the rock dwayne johnson is going to to have or potentially going to have is not even a bad match it just doesn't fit the narrative at the present moment and it feels very artificial um like it's a match against his cousin in something in in a story that's been heavily involving the family because it's a wrestling family so it, it makes sense and he's also a big star and there's there's room for this story just not right now and and there was already the revolt started as soon as the the inklings and the and fans are wrestling fans know know a pivot when they see it and um and also they know that if they really care about this they're undeniable and they really care about this and and th there's a revolt happening right now so you can watch the the last uh, Monday night raw to see the beginning of it on TV but you also it many news uh News outlets, because wrestling is hot right now, news outlets picked uh, because of that and because it's The Rock and there's a lot of stuff worthy of a story there, picked up how The Rock came back to WWE and the fans aren't happy. Um, which is not usually the the the, the response he gets. Uh, so that's just as a as an aside. Um over you you can you can actually see it happening live. Yep. All right. So the, the next point is actually was going to be wrestling as religious ritual. So we just talked about narrative and what a compelling narrative is. And now we there was a compelling narrative being told over two years. And it suddenly, like, imagine you're watching a movie and then out of nowhere, a new character comes in or a character that was briefly introduced at the beginning and suddenly becomes a protagonist and... That's another person you are invested in, and you can see how that would be jarring and, and not work. But when wrestling um, 
when wrestling works, it really works. And it, it can be the most engaged, my most engaged moments in, in, um, in fictional media have been in wrestling. Absolutely. Um, now, a lot of times it doesn't work, because, partially because there's a lot of moving parts and you have the booker and you also have the wrestlers and wrestlers can get injured and, and derail plans. Um, and <clears throat> and there's a lot of bottom-upness to wrestling that makes it, when it works, it works really well, but it, is, it can also be very messy. But it does, when it works, it does seem to touch something deep. Um, and the, and that reveals, and, and, and it touches on something deep. And when you're there in the audience, you can, if I see a match, just the last minute of a match, I can tell whether it was a good match or not based on just the, the vibe that you get from the audience. You can get a certain energy. Um, and, and here's the rub with wrestling where it is absolutely in my mind a religious ritual when you watch fiction you watch the fiction usually right you watch a movie you what or you consume fiction you are separate from the fiction and when you're engaged in something it's usually something real like when you're when you're participating so you there's a participatory participatory element in being an audience for sports but that's quote unquote real. Um but in wrestling, you have people actively participating and investing themselves in such a way, not just investing in like you would in a movie, but actually participating, taking part in a fiction um in a way that again to a to a modernist would be why why are you doing this? But it it's a I think it's it's a secular vehicle that shows how non-literal truth can drive people. When wrestling is true, um it absolutely drives people. It it it, it makes you chant, it makes you invested, uh makes you participate in the performance. Uh, so that's that's one thing. And the other is a point about propositional versus participatory knowing, because there's a sense in which the, the textual stories that our cultures are based upon are, are propositional, but the rituals or participatory. And I think um, if you don't think about it, uh, like if you ask some, if you ask a Christian, which is in service of the other, they would probably say that the ritual is in service of embodying the, the story in a better way. But there's an argument to be made that it's either equally important or the other way around and in wrestling i think the 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 it's it's clearly the other way around in in how it operates so the 
the the narrative the the propositional narrative is absolutely in service of the participatory performance that is the match which involves the audience and all that stuff um <clears throat> and that's definitely true yeah. and and yeah. that's i mean when again if you look at in christianity sort of what sort of separates the Protestant from the Catholic Orthodox Catholics and the Orthodox, they have tended to prioritize the ritual and the Protestants have tended to organize, uh, prioritize the proposition. But again, the these yeah. are massive movements and you can find very propositional <clears throat> Orthodox and Catholics and very uh, ritual participatory Protestants and and part of what made that movement so complex was a big part of the Protestant Reformation was the priesthood of all believers. What that meant was now suddenly the priesthood was participatory on a massive scale in Protestantism, which was supposed to be propositional, but now it was massively participatory. And so what you see are just all of this all of this subtleness and and you can see that even in this to the limited degree that i understand this present um this present audience revolt in wrestling where i mean the rock that's propositional there's a there's a real human being with skin around him and you know cody they're propositional and so and that's that's part of the difficulty here is that people sometimes want to say out with the propositional <laughs> You couldn't you couldn't articulate that sentence or promote that idea yeah, without exactly. the propositional. It, it, it's you need nouns and verbs. It's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you definitely you need both because there's also um, and wrestling can see there is a in a mocking way. There's what's called a heatless banger. A banger is like a really good match. Uh, athletically or technically but it's heatless there's no heat to it there's no underlying narrative holding it together um so you definitely need both yep um by the way just as a as a, because i'm sure people will say it and i didn't explicitly outright talk about this wrestling fans know that wrestling is a performance it's they know that it's fiction it's because a lot of the the Oh, people who watch wrestling, and this is the a modern thing, they must not know that it's fictional. And I think this, there's a lot to th with that uh, that's parallel to religion. Um, oh, if if they participate, if they're invested in this, if they participate in this, then they must be fooled by it. It hasn't tried to fool anyone for over uh, 50 years now, but but th therefore they must be that's the only explanation yeah and, and that, so no so just to the and 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 so that's where the enlightenment with religion gets really interesting because and and you've seen this played out recently when jordan peterson was talking about religion as fictional and yeah and at first the new atheist like alex alex o'connor at first was sort of like ah see he said it he said it but the more Alex O'Connor began to understand what Peterson meant by fictional, the more Alex O'Connor had to sort of back away because 
this was sort of tried in the modernist fundamentalist fight at the beginning of the 20th century in religion and Protestantism in America, because modernists tried to say, oh, it's fictional. And, and so then the fundamentalist said, no, it's literal. And of course, that's a terrible word. And, and what the entire fight has been trying to get one's head around is, in fact, what do these terms really mean when we're talking about history, let's say, but but then you have the question of history and 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 then you get these fights over um, you know, did Jesus walk on water? And and then you begin to get a sense of, okay, well, what 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 exactly are we really talking about here in terms of that importance? I mean, because, you know, and what's interesting again, as you as you put it out initially with respect to wrestling, it's that Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, has always been both things. Now yep. he he was he was in he was in the wrestling world for a while, and then he just kind of drops out. And then he's in the Hollywood world and he's making movies and he's having a career and he's doing all of this. And now he's dipping into the wrestling world. And and the fact that your character um you you've got two identities because you're in two different realms. Yes. Which is, uh, so that's a, um... okay. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. If, yeah, no, right. there, there's a, there's, there's a there's lot a here. I'm trying to, yeah. <laughs> because in wrestling, there's a, on the one hand, it's very clearly fictional and people are engaged with it as fiction, but on the other, at the same time, there is um a lot of pulling from real life in terms of what the narrative is based on so for example cody is a second generation wrestler um yeah now you his, start getting the generations into this holy cow yeah and his father his whole narrative is based on the fact that his father um, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm just looking oh. because it's uh, okay. Cody Rhodes. Yes, and I'm old Dustin, enough of... and know even just a little bit enough for us to say, oh, he's a Rhodes. He's the son of Dusty Rhodes, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, and Dusty Rhodes, his experience in WWE was... Um, in a sense, humiliating. There was there was something there, and again, Vince McMahon being vindictive, and Dusty Rose was a big star in the NWA, which was the the competition. And when he came in, he was humiliated, and and he never won the title, the 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 title, the championship in the the main championship in WWE. And as a wrestler. You know, it's it's fictional winning the championship, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's very real. Honor. Yeah. Um, and he, there was Dusty. Dusty Rose actually used to be a booker as well, and he coined what's called the Dusty Finish. Dusty Finish is where you seemingly have one outcome, seemingly a, the good outcome. So you do it with a heel, which is a bad guy, a heel champion. So you create a situation wherein. It looks like the the good guy won, and he's holding the title over his head, and he's happy. But then the referee, like there maybe 
one referee got dropped and then another came in and the referee's talking then no no actually we're going to have to nullify the outcome because this and this and this happened um and there was and that's called a dusty finish um uh because both it's both dusty and also because dusty uh invented it and he had a dusty finish with the WWE championship um where he won it but didn't win it and he never actually won the championship and Cody's whole Cody was in WWE years ago and then he went out and actually started the closest thing to a modern day competition to WWE and then he came back uh he was part of the the founding class of that organization but since he came back uh <clears throat> he's been made like anointed okay he's we like what he's been doing over the and the way he interacts with with the fans and and we see something here and his story has been um to to win the championship that his dad never won and something that's known is that in the negotiations that was actually one of the one of the issues like he he took the championship from the wall the 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 memento the 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 championship that is that never won but the, like there was a it was on the wall right there was a shrine it, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a temple and, <laughs> and and in 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 coming back because you know he was he was a key player for the the competition um and for uh, part of the the reason for coming I'm I'm coming back because I want to win the championship that my dad never did um powerful archetypal story yeah and and that's the story that's been playing out over the last two years and the the, the hashtag there's like or the, the the tagline would be finish the story and that's <clears throat> finish the, your dad's story the story that your dad never managed to finish and that's the, the engaging story that's happening right now <clears throat> and it's very much based on reality uh but at the same time it's a fictional story yes and there's um and so the so we talked about you know the rock and the the agentic relationship in wrestling is extremely interesting the the agent arena relationship because the rock in many ways was act was actually the same character he was in WWE in his movies uh he he actually tried doing something else, and then they told him, "No, people want to see The Rock when they when they go to your movies." Um, and the The Rock was surprisingly the same; like, didn't morph when he when he when he switched arenas. Um, but the like the the thing with with the Cody Rhodes, the character, is very much Cody Rhodes, the person with specific aspects of it uh, turned up. And and the, the, that's also something that we all do. Like, we, we're slightly different people in different contexts. Um, and, yeah, so it's just when, when you talked about the, the switch there, like, all, all that came rushing in. And I had to, to uh, put it back in order. Um, well, and if you... You know, this gets really nerdy. If you'd read a book like um, Charles Taylor, A Secular Age, I mean, Charles, Charles Taylor talks about different times, like 
the um, traditional societies had different times. And, and so and that get John Verbeke gets at that with the agent arena. So you're right that there's, there's definitely a connection between Cody Rhodes in the ring and Cody Rhodes in life. And, and again, wrestling because you hold character in a way, but you're in two different arenas and, yep. you know, and clergy understand that too. When you're in church, you're in a particular arena, but there's tension between those arenas because people wonder, well, are you the same when you're up there speaking, preaching the word of God? And when you're at home with your family, are you the same? And that's that same question as to, to what degree do these two realms relate to one another? And as human beings, we're very conscious of that because we, at a very deep level, even ardent secularists understand different realms. And, yeah. and, yeah, and I, I think I think there's also a modern um, illusion that you have a personality, and then you take that personality and put it into different places. But you don't have a personality. You have the thing that you bring into different contexts. That then you have a transjective way of being. Yes. Um, and so I, I know it for myself, both for when I'm performing as a wrestler, obviously, but that, that, that is very much a character that is based on an aspect of it, but it's very much a character. But also when I was recording, so if you remember, I, um, I, I have this Hebrew course that, oh yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. And, and uh, when I'm recording it, I'm noticing myself being a different person and it's, it's a consistent different person. It's a performance it's not a performance of not me but it is a performance it's the arena is definitely different so i have no doubt that you are different in your everyday life than you are in front of the camera and then different yet to when you are preaching right um and but if the difference is too much then suddenly you get you know jesus was the one who popularized this word hypocrisy yeah and you have Two faces. We well, can't have two faces. What you need is one face that can do different things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it it, it whole it all has to be uh, ingrained in the same thing. And in wrestling, if if it isn't, then in in acting as well, yes. um, then you can tell. And that's what happened originally with remember Roman Reigns. That was the person that Vince McMahon tried to. He tried to make him a character that just wasn't the person. Vince McMahon had a vision of what the good guy character should be. And he actually has been trying to do it for, it stuck with John Cena, who is now also in Hollywood and, and doing bigger and bigger things. And he's becoming a lot like The Rock in terms of how ubiqu um, ubiquitous he's gonna be uh, and how much you're gonna see him everywhere. So it worked with him, but the character didn't work with Roman Reigns, who is now the champion. That's the person against whom Cody is trying to finish the story. That's the person holding the championship. He's been holding it for four or four years now. Um, successfully, he's a character that actually works. And and by the way, four years is it's like it's the third or fourth longest reign ever. And back all the way back to the 80s or 70s and like Hulk Hogan. Um, and so it's really this reign ending is pivotal it's like this is this has been building up for a long 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 time and there's the cody story converging with 
Roman Reigns' story. Um, and before that, actually, The Rock himself, he didn't work at first in 1996 uh, because Vince tried to give him that same character. And it just, it didn't, it didn't land. Um, and so there's, so there, you have to have, it has to, you can't be duplicitous. You, 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 you can't be something that's not you. Right. But being different things in different contexts, it's, you're not one thing. Right. There, you, there's the thing that you bring to a situation and you can be authentic by bringing that thing and you, it's going to look differently in different contexts, but you're still that one thing. Um, yeah. Okay. So there is one more point I want to make it. Actually, I watched your conversation with Raveki today uh, that you just had. And at the end, he mentioned something that, that really, really fit with, with this conversation. So uh, using Vervekianisms, um, wrestling as a model for self-correcting optimal grip via distributed con cognition. So I'll explain. He, he mentioned uh, Schellenberger's evolving religion, and a lot of a lot of that was really really relevant. So in wrestling, what you do is you have people who are wrestlers, and they try they have a character, and they try to embody, and they start small. They start from their local scene, and then if the if if it works, they get noticed, and then they go up to a, like a bigger organization. You have a, organizations of, of different sizes. And eventually, if it really works, you get to WWE. Alternatively, WWE also uh, takes people and teaches them wrestling. But if you if you come from the independent, the independence, that's how it looks. So there is a bottom up relevance realization there of both who am I as a wrestler? What's my character? What what do I bring? And then does it land? Does it uh, grip people? And then. There is a constant feedback loop of you you present a narrative, you get feedback. And it's an always an ongoing narrative. Wrestling never stops. You present a narrative, you get feedback. You there's an the interplay there between telling the narrative and getting the feedback. And the story is always evolving. So a story that worked really, really well in the 90s is not gonna work necessarily as well today. There are aspects of it that might, but it has to be presented differently. Um, and this, this is, in a sense, a process of the optimal narrative for the time self-realizing. So that, that opponent processing between, it's not quite opponent processing, but it's the, it is the tension between there's the narrative that I want to tell, and then how it gets, um, right. how it's received. Right. And so Verbecki, I, I quoted almost verbatim what he, he meant when he mentioned Schellenberger's evolving religion. So yeah, he was talking about skepticism. Uh, skepticism breaks up procedural and substantive uh, justice, <laughs> which was, by the way, a great distinction that uh, he made there. And that allows you to explore imaginal and therefore non-belief-centric notions of faith. That is a skeptical attitude because, because it is an ongoing, evolving, optimal group relationship to the sacred. Yep. Yep. And I think wrestling 
uh, stumbled upon a model that actually does that. So wrestling, by virtue of it being a an archetypal narrative at the core, um, it can get at the very least very close to the sacred um, in in what it, what it does. So there's and that's sort of what why I want to do this whole thing about what is a narrative and what narrative grips and why we need narrative um, as a culture to be like the the unifying thing. And for wrestling, that narrative is so you have both what characters work. Okay, it's bottom up in in the if if you ask Peterson, that's also how religion religion evolved. Like okay, there there's stories. Okay, this story works. I don't know why, but it works, and we're gonna right slowly over time that corpus evolves and becomes right. Um. So, and so wrestling is a constant process of that happening. Um, and I think that could serve as a model, perhaps. Well, because I, I don't think, yeah, okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your sentence. The, the, um, so my friend is, is volunteering in the Rariki Foundation. Um, he was actually, if you remember, Rariki uh, was talking about, um, the the AI project that um of of waking from the meaning press that was actually yep. my friend's idea at first like he he approached them with that um and a lot of the I I I hope it succeeds the 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 project that Rick is engaged in um you mentioned you're skeptical. I am uh, also, I have my... It depends on exactly what we're, what we mean by success. Because right, John okay, is so... increasingly, I mean, even the conversation I just had with him with respect to the Silk Road, that was the first time I heard him say, you don't live on the Silk Road. You live oh, okay. on what the Silk Road connects, which yeah. I think he's continuing to nuance his ideas of legacy religions. Because the truth yes. is, there are dead religions that you really can't inhabit because the, the traditions have been severed. And there are living religions. And living religions are always changing. So I one of the videos that isn't out yet, but... I'll, I've had so much stuff to push through the channel. It's hard to get pacing right because you put out a new video yeah. and it hurts the previous video. But um, but religions are always evolving, and and that's and the thing about religions is religions are trying to keep their narrative integrity while they're still evolving, and and so so when John is talking about optimal grip and fittedness because. Early on, my my second conversation with John, I, I basically talked to him about Pascal's uh, spirit of geometry and spirit of finesse, which in some ways maps onto McGilchrist. The master brain is much more the spirit of yep. finesse narrative. It's geometry, um, you know, the 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 um, emissary brain. So what's 
and and another thing that I see often in, in the new atheist debates, people will say, well, we believe science instead of religion because it works. Hmm. Technically, science doesn't actually work. What they're really talking about is technology works. I believe in science because my cell phone can make a connection. And I think I think a more a broader way of saying it would be the predictions in a very narrow, uh, decontextualized way. Right. Right. But the predictions are always tested in the actual in this rich physical world that has everything in here. And religions are constantly being tested that way too. Especially, yeah. you know, part of what happens in the Protestant Reformation is that there's sort of a breakout of, it's exactly the dynamic, it's very much the dynamic you're talking about when this is boring. That's because the, you know, we're still looking for optimal grip. <laughs> and one way to yeah. read, let's say, the the Old Testament, what Christians call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, look at the story of someone like Gideon. You know, God comes to Gideon, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna free Israel from the Midianites. Gideon is skeptical, rightly so. And then, so Gideon starts going about the process of gathering is huge an army and you almost almost get the sense in the book of judges that when israel is actually together she's going to be unbeatable but she's never together there's always the different tribes and they don't get along they've got their internecine rivalries etc cetera, etc cetera. so so gideon decides he's gonna get the whole team together and once we got the whole team together we're gonna smash the midianites and god comes in and says eh, too much what do you mean too much? <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as too much in a war like this. No, 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 too much. So I want you to, then he starts paring it down. And, you know, those who drink with the cupped hands and those who lap and pairs it down to 300. And then, and then all right, right away, you know, but before then, you know, he had all this fleece testing, you know, Gideon's fleece and all of this stuff going on. All of this stuff is about optimal grip. And it's this back and forth. It's very transjective. And, and the same thing between the booker and the audience. And the same thing that you just laid out, and especially now, you know, part of the disaster, bookers want a lot of power, but what they couldn't stop was Dusty Rhodes having an athletic son. <laughs> and probably a good-looking son because Dusty Rhodes showed competence, so his wife was probably very hot, which means that his son is both athletic and charismatic, good-looking. Oh, now there's a problem. And then he's out in another wilderness. I mean, you can you could just you could just work this thing all over the place. And that's again why I can see how wrestling really works. And wrestling, now people are gonna wrestle with the thing I'm about to say now. It's revelatory. Reality is revealed through wrestling. And he said, well, this is this is fiction. This is theatrical athleticism. Yes, but it's also revelatory. And it's revelatory on lots of different levels, just in the same way that literature is revelatory. So, um, you know, we're, 
I, I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally tracking with you. And I agree with you hundred, I agree with you hundred percent that it's, it's that part of what happened with science and part of the reason that the, we're seeing the collapse of institutions based on the dogmatism of science was that it was overplayed, you know, and, and, and we saw this with COVID people are seeing this all over the place with respect to medical technology. And as a pastor, I see it all the time. And that isn't to say that we, we, we don't, we haven't seen amazing leaps forward through medical technology and public health and individual medical practice. We have, it's near miraculous, but it has its limits. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, and part of what was, you know, I really enjoy my conversations with you is because you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're getting a PhD in cognitive science and hopefully, hopefully, yeah, I'm, and, I'm still getting, uh, I'm still in the process. But, yeah. and you're a wrestler. And so it's, again, you have a transjective relationship between these two, and they're, they're all in you. Yeah. And so all of this, I mean, you're, all of this is salient for you because you're living it out. And as you said, with respect to the big relationships, well, the oldest stories in the world, the deepest stories in the world are the religious stories. I mean, just look at look at the book of Genesis. Those stories, we continue to pour and analyze. And we, I mean, it's it's hard for many lay people out there to appreciate the amount of scrutiny and battering and dissection. And just about every level that the book of Genesis has undergone for thousands of years. <laughs> and we still can't get away from the thing. <laughs> and so, no, I, I, but, but these things, these levels go all over the place. So when you, you know, so I didn't know who Cody was. I didn't know who Roman was. And then you said he's the son of a wrestler. And over on this screen over here, I, you know, did the little search for hashtag we want. And Cody, I didn't, again, I didn't see the last name because it wasn't salient to me. And then you said yeah. he's the son of a wrestler. So my eyes dart over there. Is his last name on there? Rhodes. Bang. Dusty Rhodes. It's like, Oh, yeah, Vince McMahon and the 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 wrestling establishment is dealing with something very real, which is basically human reproduction and human pair bonding, and the fact that Dusty Rhodes, if I remember him correctly, walking down the street, we wouldn't look at the guy and say, "Yeah, he's a no," but. You know, he rose on that hierarchy. He's going to have a very good-looking wife. There, you know, and off we go. And, I mean, these these things have been playing out forever in politics, in religion, in all of the things because they're very, very deep. Yeah, and and there uh, there's a reason I think this story is is tracking as much as it is, and you can see in wrestling live what actually. Grips. What stories work? What stories right. don't? 
And and I think there's a lot of there's a lot to be learned from that because you actually you get you get a, a peek into a very noticeable uh, and easily discernible manifestation of of distributed cognition. Yep. Within that audience, and that audience is a general audience. I would argue it's not it's yes. not a there's nothing specific about wrestling audiences that they're different from high and low IQ, very different um, nationalities. It's a very broad audience. And, you know, when, you know, we, when you asked about my skepticism about John's project, and my question is always like, what exactly is your project? Because one of the things that we see in this little corner of the internet is it tends to be people with pretty high IQ. Because, I mean, if you're going to be navigating these fancy Verveke words, John Verveke gets up in front of a general audience, eyes glaze over, because you're going to have to appropriate all of this language to figure out what he's talking about. And and we, <sighs> see, we see this with the skeptics, because, you know, as this thing grows in visibility, you're going to draw the attention of more and more skeptics. And people are going to be skeptical and scoffing, and they're saying, oh, you know, these fancy Verveke words are word salad, and... You know, Richard Dawkins says of Jordan Peterson, people just people just think he's impressive because they don't understand. It's like, that is a stupid argument. I regularly watch really smart people in front of people who don't understand, and they're not fascinated by it. They're yeah. bored by it. Yeah. So, and as a Christian minister, I understand all of these dynamics. So, but... but what and and are, what's happening there, what's happening there is... And I see this a lot, and it's it's a very left brain way of of thinking. Is I can't understand it, therefore it is not understandable. Exactly. That that's that's um, so because there there's this little there's this little fallacy that creeps in, which is that oh I've learned this new tool, this tool of transcendence. All of this left brain stuff is very transcendent, and so then they get. They, they think that if they, exactly like you said, if they can't see it, it's gibberish. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and once you see that enough, you just, you, you know that on one hand, you just can't talk somebody out of that because yeah. the whole facade of the left brain is, well, if I make arguments, then they'll come around. Oh, you have no idea how a human being works if you believe that. Yeah, I think Dawkins thinking he's anti-dogmatic is is a a huge irony. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, specifically him. Like, yeah, yeah, especially him. And and um, so and but that but that spirit is very much out there. And yeah, no, absolutely. Is what the Gilchrist has has been going on about. He he himself is a is a representation of of something very relevant. Um. So, so my skepticism could just be my uh, lack of knowledge because, to my great shame, I actually haven't finished uh, into the meaning crisis yet, and I'm sort of I'm still getting into uh, that stuff. I partly blame my fiance because we've we said we'd do it together, and we're doing it, but because we have to find time to do it together, it's slower than it would be otherwise. You're watching Awakening um, from the Meaning Crisis with your fiance. I'm so lucky, right? Actually, one of the videos, I've always got 10 videos on my mind that I want to make. One of them is another recent little ripple in the corner has been 
What about the spouses of these strange people? Yeah, I, ju I just saw the video. And I saw you say, and yeah, our wives sort of tolerate. And I was like, no, she's very, she's right there with me. There you go. Lucky it's are right, you. Yeah. Lucky are you. Yeah. I certainly feel lucky. Um, <laughs> so, so, but to the extent that I understand it, I think there's something missing there. And you touched on it and that it's, you have an ecology of practices. Why? If like for, for the average person, okay, so there's there's these things here, and Verveki has the reasons, but to me they all sound like model reasons. Like they all sound there's things that need to happen differently, and 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 and, and the whole thing is is modeled beautifully and 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 the models helped me greatly in in understanding myself and and evolving my outlook but but it there's the there isn't a compelling narrative undergirding it and he, and perhaps you know you're going to go back to your own narrative but why would you go out into the silk road in the first place yep yep and this is why you go out into the Silk Road. So again, the guy that was just on Luke's uh, Grail Country live stream this morning, he, and this, again, as a pastor, you see the patterns. Grew up in a household of alcoholics. Terrible childhood. As a dyslexic, you see the patterns, especially, by the way. But that's, really? uh, but that, that would be my, what I would argue. That, that's what I'm probably going to, uh, yeah, so, as a dyslexic, you're 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 hyper right brain. Uh, as I, I sent you a, a link about that, um, and that means better. My my point. That's what I'm going to to uh, research. Huh. Uh, is going and this sort of something again that me and my fiance came up with together because she's dyslexic. Um, and we had the realization, okay, dyslexia is characterized by an inability to hold um, abstract pattern, de patterns, decontextualized patterns. But uh, there's a trade-off relationship there. And if you look at the upsides of, of dyslexia, um, those are all related to being able to recognize patterns irris irrespective um... of what you already, of your your prediction so yep. right brain is the new yeah left brain is the old yeah and so when you're op more open to the new yeah um the, you're it's easier for so do you know the game set with the cards no so it's a game where you have okay you know where's waldo yeah I assume, yeah so when i uh because we tried testing it out um it was it was actually one of the predictions okay if this is true, then you're probably going to be much better at Where's Waldo than me. And she, and uh, so we we opened the book together and tried to start started looking for the the characters, and uh, she was three to one. So for every one I found, she found three. Wow, um, that's interesting. Because the the patterns, and if you look up the game set, I I expect that you would be uh, surprisingly good at it compared to to an average person because, um the 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 patterns 
reveal themselves to you. The set is a game of finding patterns, finding matching cards. Hmm. Um, and and w when you're not bogged down by decontextualized patterns, which is what makes the spelling uh, issues manifest, and also uh, forgetting names, that's a huge thing. Because names are not, there's nothing about a name that, unless you find a, a specific connection, but a name is is a an arbitrary uh, thing that you assign um, to something. A modern name. Or, a modern name is not an ancient name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so that's what I said about finding a, a context to associate it with, um, and and so you you you're, you lose the ability to hold uh, decontextualized patterns, or not lose, but it's harder compared to the average person. But what you gain. Uh, is the ability and there's there's a lot if you if you look at um if you read McGillchrist it actually it it's very obvious that that's probably what's happening hmm. uh taking with that the fact that uh dyslexic people are hyper right brain um you you're more open to updating your world what I hope would be the case because that allows me to to tie into my research in a my original point was how does worldview affect perception? That was my like fascination. And, and so presumably I would again still need to do the, the research, but that's what I I'm going to get into. Um but presumably you're you're less bogged down by your worldview if you're dyslexic. You're more open to things revealing themselves as opposed to um, um, like putting your yeah yeah, uh, making reality fit your expectation. Yeah, that's why everybody's always uh, uh, upset with me because I'm not the Calvinist they're looking for. Usually, looking to hate. <laughs> um, so, so we were talking anyway. about Verveke's. You know, yeah, so you were yeah, you're, you're talking about notice. Talked about noticing patterns. Yeah, as yeah. a pastor, yeah, and I said it's also as a dyslexic. Yeah, so noticing patterns. Well, so uh, the so you know, Rothschild, and then people people have had really chaotic, you know, difficult growing up. They find religion, bang, you know, because suddenly you find a community, if and especially if you find a really good community, a community of people that have a capacity for love and for giving and for, I mean, and if you've had, if you haven't had enough of that growing up, boy, you're going to get drawn to that like crazy. But then, you know, this was, I just posted Elizabeth old, my conversation with Elizabeth Oldfield today, but then there's going to be other questions about this religion. And so then there's going to be more testing and then people sometimes then bounce out. But, you know, they've already established a degree of healing and success and everything. And then they bounce out and kind of live out there. But they what what the what the religion does very well. And part of part of why religion has been adaptive, you know, in terms of evolution is that it's communitarian. It holds people together. Now, that's where religions and nationalisms are sort of competitors because they're sort of operating in the same way, 
but um, they're they're also different in other ways. But many of the dynamics in politics and religion are strikingly similar. But people are always having to fit their optimal grip, and they will. You know, one of the things that people don't understand is that everybody has a degree of dissonance within any system or community that they're inhabiting. And the question as to whether or not you're going to leave the community, that has a lot to do with incentive structures. Again, these are these are massive things because they're very real. And so then this low language of optimal grip, someone can stay in a bad marriage for a long time if certain things are true. Other yeah, people I, I can't stay that. in a bad marriage anytime at all because... I mean, it, it's these are enormously complex things because we are enormously complex creatures. And a lot of, the, of it, I think, is related to the outside frame. So, for example, in, in leaving a community, there's dissonance between me and the community. But if, if you're individual focused, that's very different than being community focused or community right. oriented. So right. what has to change? We are the community. Um. I think that that's another, and, and that's a cultural thing. Yeah. Um, well, there's so many place. layers yeah. to all of these things in any given individual, which is why models, at, at a certain point, you need the models because models are helpful data. But if you're a therapist or a pastor or someone who's dealing with individuals, you're going to need some models, but no individual in front of you is a model. They're all, so you're gonna, if you can't do the transjective, and this in some ways is the difference between a, someone who knows a great deal of psychology, but can't be a therapist because there's yeah. a whole other sets of skills and practices and rituals that you need to employ to actually help an instantiation, you know. And, yeah. this, and, and, and all, all, all that is, is, and how how you unravel in a good way, like reveal um, McGillchrist's main point, which is the emissary brain is not bad, but it has to be in service of the master brain. Right. Because we are people. Yeah. And that's, of course, the, the when when the left brain goes too far, it forgets what we are, which is an astounding yes. thing for a human being. But you can only hold that for a while, and then your wife leaves you. <laughs> because if you're so much up here, you're probably going to have trouble being a father or a spouse or a good employee because the world is just so full of people. <laughs> and and in many ways, I, I see this playing out politically. I, I know people who are in politics, and they're always like, they're so frustrated because what they want... Politics to be is a competition between models and policies. And in American presidential elections, it's like, how on earth could Donald Trump win? That's not so yeah. really hard to see, is it? It is if you're just so completely lopsided in terms of your hemispheres, or at least if if you're if you're your only relevance realization through very specific um metrics. Yeah. Right. Right. You've, and and there's tremendous power in limiting. I mean, that's the whole movement of science. Science is let's take all of the variables down to one. 
That's extremely powerful. But, and Peterson made this point years ago, once you do that, well, now, you know, you're monofocal. That's the move. That's the power. But you're now going to have to bring it back out into the rest of the world where there's lots of powers. Yeah, and and I think there's also... At some point, it it just becomes bad science. So as an example, there's a psychiatrist that I I follow uh, who's also he's Indian and in, in like his he he comes from an Indian family, and he also uh, trained actually to be a, a Buddhist monk for several years, and he's very interesting in that sense. Um, and he often talks about how Western um medicine one of the problems is that it 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 does its trials in terms of human beings and as like this is a human being and this works on human beings right but there might be and in in indian culture like in indian medicine you have sub subcategories or sub sub types that on on whom different things work differently um and and perhaps there's a chance that it works better. I'm not familiar with that literature. It's far from my uh, field of expertise. But but at the very least, this is not even a question that would be uh, posed. There's some so, sort of an assumption that if you flatten the variables, um, you're not going to lose anything meaningful enough for what you're trying to do. And and the like a, a different uh what is it called uh something fingerprint uh but like a, a different type of of person is not something that would reveal itself in the way we do medicine now it might you might have like a very astute researcher maybe notice oh i'm noticing a pattern here um and there's factor analysis and stuff like that, but it's it works on 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 a very low scale. You can you can see that when something when you're talking about something that's complex as a human uh, a a whole way of being as a person, um, that's not something in in a way that is like. A, uh, scientists scientists are going to to not agree with me because I'm not I'm <clears throat> I can't express it well enough exactly what I mean because there are tools like factor analysis that are supposed to do that but there are many ways in which uh if you're not looking for it you're going to miss it right. uh in those in those places um anyway so we veered off the point of of uh Verveke and and uh yeah so, so I think John has continued in his project. He's continued to continue to work on the fittedness of it, and I've been yeah. watching his his develop the development of his project with respect to this. And so, like when he told me, you know, the Silk Road is you don't live on the Silk Road, and I say, no, that's right. And the difficulty is that these legacy religions, which continue to adapt. Now, we get frustrated because we want something to adapt right now. 
It's like, no, that's not, people don't work that way. Religion certainly don't work that way, but over long when, periods when of time. People, when people do work that way, they crash and burn. Right. And same with religions. And that's yeah. why, you know, um, that that's why the older the religion in some ways the more durable it is because it's been tested out there in the real world again and again. At the same time, there are extinct religions that were very old. So, um, you know, you got to sort of give natural selection its due yep. that things come and go. And, you know, the Enlightenment was a major, um, you know, it was a major thing that it's continuing to reverberate throughout the world. And, you know, in the video that I haven't released yet, I, I talk about, you know, Islam and the Enlightenment. That's, you know, because, you know, you're and, and you know, this origin story question. And I mean, just the same reason that Genesis has been just so poured over because it's an origin story. It's so foundational. It's so important. And, you know, and one of the interesting things that I, I like to look at in religion is, um, history of interpretation, because you watch that, okay, here's a text and it's fairly fixed. It's fairly fixed, but you watch how this text has moved in different times and places, how it's moved people and how it's created things. And I mean, it's just, there's endless variables to this. None of us can live long enough to, to actually make much progress in any of these things. Yet at the same time, we all must choose how shall we live? And it's, it's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on two hours and two hours, I've, yeah. And I've got to land the plane, but it is, guy. It is always fun talking to you. Um, I Likewise. really love. I, I really love. You know, how am I going to say this? Because I don't even know what your project is, but the fact that you are a wrestler and someone working on a PhD in cog sci. I mean, that very much fits this corner because, or at least especially this corner of the corner, because at least the audience that tends to be more around, around me tends to be, you know, Jonathan Peugeot, more the ortho stuff, Verveke, more the science-y stuff, a little more post-Christian stuff, but all of the wrestling of religion which yeah. tends to be have a huge span of people but then oh, all of the wrestling of religion yes well you know look at it jacob <laughs> wrestles with god <clears throat> i mean that, that yeah. even that word itself is a super deep word because it gets at and of course plato was a wrestler and i mean wrestling itself is this all exaptation from wrestling <laughs> I, I i i i actually that's one of the if we're trying to think of what is it it and at its core, it's a struggle of, okay, and it, like it's the struggle, whatever that is for different people at different times, but it's always, it's it's something that's very deep in our nature. It's the, the brushing up against reality and you know, all the stuff that that entails. Um, yeah. So I, I I do think it's it's not a it's not a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence at all. So thank you, thank you for your your persistence yeah, in you. this, and you know I I I hope that your relationship continues to develop with your fiance, and you can you know enjoy 
Um, you can have this <laughs> level of enjoyment between you of this stuff. Um, I have also noticed that uh, I'm not going to get into that, but um, and and so yeah, and I look forward to your um your conversations with Grizz and your conversations with Chad, and I, again, part of the. I mean, the the corner is part of what we're wrestling with. There's the word again. Um, is the is the arena quality of the corner and what that's affording. And again, part of the yeah. reason why you're super helpful in this is you have you have a degree of competence with the language, which is unusual because this is also, you know, an educational pursuit of yours. So, yeah. All right. All right. Good talking to you, guy. Yeah. We you will too. see you later. Yep. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.